Welcome, Faith Church. What's going on? Can you guys already feel the presence of the Lord in the room this morning? I am so excited because the Lord promised me that he has mighty plans for what he wants to accomplish today. With that said, today's service is going to be a little bit different, so you guys can actually take a seat. Before jumping into our text and topic for today, I do want to give honor to our lead pastors, my parents, pastors Frank and Lisa Santora. I am so grateful for them, not only because they're my parents, but because they have instilled so many wonderful values to us as a church and also to me as an individual. Most importantly, I am so thankful to the Lord. The Lord has literally saved my life in so many ways so that I'm able to be here with you guys today. So for that, I give him so much glory. My assignment from the Lord is to raise expectancy today, to raise expectancy of your faith. The Lord wants to move. The Lord has promised me that whoever opens their heart to receive this message from him will leave here with a special empowerment from the Holy Spirit that you have never felt before. And he told me, Nicole, you're not exempt from that. This message is for you too. Hallelujah. This morning, I'm going to share with you on the subject matter of the anointing. The anointing, what it is, why we need it, and how we can receive it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your goodness. I I thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Father God, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, that you sent your spirit to empower us, Father God. Father God, we invite your presence into this place. Father God, we want you to move. We want you to feel welcome here because we love you so much. Father God, we ask that miracles, signs, and wonders take place, that you show up today, that you show up big, and you show your people how powerful you are. Father God, communicate this message clearly through me. In the name of Jesus, amen. In accordance with that, If you feel comfortable, I ask that you just raise your hands right now. I ask that you do this not as a religious practice, but as a sign of surrendering to the Lord, as a sign of saying, Lord, do a new work in me, as a sign of saying, Holy Spirit, start stirring on the inside of me. Now, with that said, raise your hands and say these words, I am expectant. I am expectant. What are we expectant of? We are expectant of the Lord to move in our lives. So say it once more with power. I am expectant. Hallelujah. Watch and see how he meets that expectancy. Let's turn to John chapter 4. We're going to pick up in verse 15. If you have a Bible, I know it's going to be on the screen, but if you have a Bible, I encourage you to read along. We're going to be bouncing between the Gospels of John and Luke and the book of Acts. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. While you guys are flipping there, let's just kind of give a backstory as to what the passage we're about to read is. So Jesus, he is preparing the disciples for what is to come in reference to his betrayal, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his departure from the world back into heaven. 
The disciples are burdened by what Jesus is sharing with them because they don't want him to leave. But Jesus responded with encouragement, explaining the anointing. Would you guys stand once more for the initial reading of the word of God? John 14, 15 through 17 says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. We're going to move down to verse 26. It says, When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Let's jump to chapter 16, picking up in verse 5. It's Jesus still speaking to the disciples. He says, But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Move down to verse 13. We'll read through 15. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. You may be seated. Let's discuss the meaning behind what we just read. So as we said, Jesus was preparing to leave the world to go to heaven to be with God the Father. But he realized that the world would need access to him since he would no longer be with them in the flesh. Therefore, he sent himself in spirit form so that those of us who wanted access to him and access to his power would be able to have that. Jesus even said, it is best for you that I go away. Why did he say that? Why would it be best for us to not have Jesus here? Well, Jesus knew that it would be physically impossible for every Christian in the world to have physical access to him in the flesh. Therefore, he sent his advocate. He sent the anointing. He sent the Holy Spirit. He sent his spirit to be within us. So it would be like walking every day with Jesus right beside us. Are we with me so far? The advocate that Jesus gave as a gift to mankind is the Holy Spirit, which is the anointing. Hallelujah. We need that anointing. We need it so much. But but why do we need the anointing? If I'm a Christian, don't I already possess that anointing? I want to explain it to you, and then we're going to look to the scripture for some proof to back up what I'm about to say. So the anointing that I'm referring to comes from being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, every person who confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised them from the dead will be saved. They will receive salvation. And when you receive that salvation, the Holy Spirit does automatically come on the inside of you. Jesus's spirit lives on the inside of you. And that spirit acts as a guide. It brings us comfort. It brings us peace. It convicts us. It reminds us of what is right and what is wrong. But we can take our relationship with the Lord to the next level by being baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, oftentimes when we hear the word baptism, we think of water baptism or we think of babies being baptized. But this word baptism or baptized means an outward immersion into the reality of the Holy Spirit, a metaphorical immersion or covering from the Holy Spirit. Let me explain it like this. Living life as a Christian is amazing and wonderful. And those of you in this room who are Christians, can you testify to that? That living life as a Christian is even better than living life not as a Christian, right? But let me tell you something. Living life as a Christian who has been baptized with the Holy Spirit gives the word wonderful a whole new definition. My fleshly example is... I like amusement parks, right? I think amusement parks are wonderful. Um, Six Flags when I was younger, fun, awesome, wonderful. Uh, Lake Compounds, fun, awesome, wonderful, right? I thought amusement parks were wonderful. But then I got to experience Disney World. And Disney World just blew those other parks out of the water, right? So it literally redefined my definition of what wonderful amusement parks were. So on an even grander and more powerful scale, when we are a Christian who is baptized with the Holy Spirit, it enhances our relationship with the Lord. It enhances our relationship with him to the point where it redefines what being a Christian even is. This is not to say that those who have not received the baptism with the Holy Spirit don't have access to the Lord or don't have access to the Holy Spirit or the things that I just said that he guides us, brings us peace, brings us comfort. But it is to say that it will enhance your relationship completely. The anointing of the Holy Spirit gives us so many things, but I want to specifically focus on what happens when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. When we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, we receive a supernatural empowerment that no person could possess on their own. The empowerment that the Holy Spirit gives us is a power where we can see miracles, signs, and wonders take place. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit gives us... um, Um, the ability to act in accordance with spiritual gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. Those spiritual gifts are words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the gift of performing miracles, the gift of prophecy, the gift of discernment, the gift of speaking and interpreting unknown heavenly languages. You may have been to a service, you may have been here where our pastor or a guest minister they call, they give a word to somebody where they start sharing intricate details about a, a struggle that the person is going through or has gone through, where they share a word of encouragement and you're like, how did they know that? That's because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit and they were acting with these spiritual gifts. However, these spiritual gifts and this empowerment is not just reserved for pastors or evangelists or others who are in ministry, but it is for every single born again believer. However, we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to operate in that power. Ready for me to give you an example as to how I know we need to be filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit to receive that special empowerment to be able to operate in these gifts and callings? My example is Jesus. Ready? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he was not empowered his whole life. 
I know that sounds like a controversial like statement, right? But I do have scripture to back it up. But what I am saying is, yes, he was God in the flesh. Yes, he was the son of God born to a virgin. Yes, he was sinless. Yes, he was human and divine at the same time. Yes, his existence alone was supernatural. But Jesus did not do anything supernatural with the first 30 years of his life. Nothing supernatural came from Jesus's life until he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. I literally see some of you looking at me like, uh, what is she saying? So ready? We're going to prove it. We're going to read from Luke three. We're going to start in verse 21. It says one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. This is referring to water baptism. So Jesus was water baptized as he was praying. The heavens opened and the Holy spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Move down to chapter four, verse one says, then Jesus full of the Holy spirit returned from the Jordan river. That's where he was water baptized. That's where the spirit fell upon him. The Bible goes on to explain that after this encounter, Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days for a time of prayer and fasting before the Lord. Verse 14 says, then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. Why were reports spreading about him? Why were people talking about him? Why were people impressed enough to discuss him? It was because people saw him operating with a power that he had never operated in before. I want to keep reading for a minute. Luke 4, 16 through 21. This is probably my favorite, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And you guys should know it by now because I think every time myself or Pastor Joey has preached, we have brought it up. But it's a good and powerful verse. So let's read it. It says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, when he, when Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read from the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scriptures you've just heard have been fulfilled this very day. It was after the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended upon him that the prophecy that the spirit of the Lord was upon him had been fulfilled. Let me bring you to the gospel of John chapters one and two. We're going to just give a little summary. We won't read, but basically after Jesus was baptized with water, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. We just said that he went into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. John 129 explains that after this time was up, Jesus returned to where John was baptizing people with water. John testified in verse 32 through 34 that he witnessed the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus. And then chapter two explains that after this event, 
after Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit was when he performed his first miracle by turning water into wine at a wedding in Cana. Verse 11 says, this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. After he received the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit's empowerment to perform miracles, signs, and wonders, why would we not need that? If Jesus, Jesus was in man form, he was modeling to us the importance of needing that empowerment. Hallelujah. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What will you receive? Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. What will we be? Witnesses. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. What is a witness? Well, according to my Google definition search, a witness is a person who sees an event and or has evidence of proof of the said event. Therefore, when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can then produce evidence that Jesus is alive. The power of God in action is proof that Jesus is alive. Yes, he was crucified, but then he rose again and he gave me the gift of power. Hallelujah. Therefore, when Miracles take place when people speak in tongues, when people act in accordance with the gifts that we just read. It is physical evidence that Jesus is alive. Let me tell you a quick story. This past February, um, I was with you guys, and at the very end of service, um, the Lord told me that there was somebody in the room who had been diagnosed with cancer. Some of you may have remember may remember that. Um, I said, there's somebody in this room who was diagnosed with cancer, and the Lord wants to heal you. And we waited, and nobody came down to the altar. But I knew without a shadow of a doubt that the Lord told me that there was somebody there who had cancer. So I said, you know what? This person does not need to come down. We're still going to declare healing into that individual's body. And as a church, we prayed for this individual. We didn't know who it was, but we prayed and we declared healing in this person's body. The service moved on. And at the end of service, a person came up to me and said to me, I was diagnosed with cancer this past week. And that person said to me, I haven't told anyone yet. How did you know? And we were both crying and I said to her, because I was empowered by the Holy Spirit. That empowerment enabled me to operate in the spiritual gift of healing and a word of knowledge. Let me share another story with you. Some of you may have seen it on Facebook um, this past week, but last August, it was actually August 22nd, um, I was with you guys. The very end of service, service was practically over. I think the worship team was like even doing the last song and I interrupted. And without thinking, I said, there is a couple here who wants to have a baby. And as I said it, I was like, oh my word, I didn't really process what I was just saying, right? And a couple came down and myself and some of our team members, we prayed for that couple. And nine months later, this past June, that couple had their son. Why do I share this with you? 
I share this with you to show you that Jesus is alive, that the same power that happened so many years ago now exists within us. Did I bring that couple of baby? No, I did not, but I was empowered by his, the Holy Spirit. We need that empowerment. We need the anointing. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something. If you are already filled with the Holy Spirit, The Lord doesn't want to just stop there. You can still receive a refilling of the Holy Spirit. The Lord wants you to claim a double portion, twice as much as what we already have. He doesn't only want to fill you with his power, but he wants you to keep it, and he wants to continue to increase it. Amen. The initial physical evidence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is the ability to speak in other tongues. You may have been to a service or even in this church where you hear our lead pastor or other pastors or people in the congregation speaking in a language that you don't understand. And that's because they are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and they are communicating in a language that only God himself can understand. Some of you may think that that's unnecessary. Some of you may think that that's even weird. But let me tell you something. I am not ashamed that I speak in tongues. I am not ashamed of the power and authority that comes with being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I am not ashamed that the word of God brings healing. I am not ashamed that the word of God drowns out the pathetic voice of the devil. I am not ashamed that I will be used as a witness. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And I am not ashamed of the power that the Holy Spirit brings us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How do I receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit? How do I get baptized with the Holy Spirit? Well, today I'm going to give you that opportunity by following a model that's listed in Acts 8. Acts 8, 14 through 17 says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means they received Jesus. They received salvation. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon them, and these believers received the Holy Spirit. Based on this model, the only criteria to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is that one must first receive Christ as their Savior. However, there's no other criteria. So before we hand this service over to the Spirit to move however He so desires, I want to give those of you who have not received Christ as your Savior an opportunity. Psalm 91, 9-16 says, If you make the Lord your refuge, if you receive him, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them salvation. The Lord sent his son Jesus so that you and I could receive this. 
Jesus came to the world with one mission at hand, and that was for you and I to be set free so we could live eternally with him in a place called heaven. The Lord's desire for you, my desire for you, is that you receive this salvation by surrendering your life to Christ and repenting of your past sins. Society might say that you've messed up so big that what's done is done, that you are who you are, that there's nothing that you can do about it. But God says, hold up. I sent them a redeemer. I sent them a redeemer to wipe their past clean, to give them a new life, to enable them to be born again, to give them a do-over. And that redeemer's name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus He came to this world so that he could die a painful and shameful death so that you and I could be set free and be with him in heaven. It's a beautiful gift. However, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.12, if we deny him, he will deny us. What does that mean? If we deny him, if we reject him, if we don't receive the gift, He will deny us. He will reject us. When will he reject us? When we're ready to go to heaven. Well, if we can't go to heaven, then where would we go? Well, the Bible says that we would go to a place called hell, a place of sorrow, a place of torment, a place that was not designed for mankind to ever be. So I'm going to ask if you are here today and you have never made the decision to surrender your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you in a moment to make that decision. But prior, Jesus, hallelujah. Some of you might be here today and wonder, well, did I ever do that? I heard somebody recently say, if you can't remember a time and a place that you gave your life to Christ, then it best be that you do it now. So right now, I'm going to ask, without thinking, on the count of three, if you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to say, Jesus, I surrender it to you. I want the gift of the, of the gift of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I want to show people that you're alive and moving. I want people to see how good you are. I want to follow you. I'm going to ask that on the count of three, you stand up. I ask that you stand up because Jesus died publicly for us. Therefore, you can serve him publicly here. The Bible says that when one person comes to know the Lord, all of heaven rejoices. So if all of heaven rejoices, that should mean that the people of Christ rejoice as well. So when you stand up on the count of three, those of us who have already given our lives to Christ are going to rejoice and celebrate with you along with the angels in heaven. So ready? One, two, three, stand. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. We are all going to say it together so it's not awkward that it's just you guys. You guys are making the best decision of your life right now. So would you guys all repeat this prayer with me for the benefits of those that stood? Father God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you sent him to die for my sins so that I could be made free, so that I could be made whole, so that I could live eternally in heaven. Father God, right now, I surrender my life completely to you. 
from this moment on, I will never be the same. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To those of you that stood up, we have ushers who have a little booklet who could give you, that that booklet explains basically what you just did. It takes this message to the next level. It gives you guys an opportunity to also ask any questions to our pastors or anything. So on your way out, I ask that you see one of our ushers. They'll give you that booklet. But for now, I think it's clear to say that based on that, every one of us in this room are Christians, right? So it's time to take that Christianity to the next level. As we read in Acts 8, 17, then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Right now, myself and some of our pastors are prepared to lay hands on each of you who desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're also going to give an opportunity for those of you who have already been filled with the Holy Spirit to be have a retouch or a refilling of the Holy Spirit. Before we open the altar, I want to say that this anointing is for everyone. It's nothing to be ashamed about. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's nothing that you could ever have too much of. I can speak on my behalf, on Pastor Joey's behalf, that, you know, we're pastors, we're Christians, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But when we go to services and there is an opportunity for us to be refilled or touched again by the Lord, we're the first ones up because we want it and we know that we can never have too much of it. So why do I say that? I say that because there's nothing to be embarrassed about, about receiving this. Hallelujah. If you are already baptized with the Holy Spirit, I ask that you begin speaking in tongues. I ask that you begin praising the Lord with your mouth. If you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, you don't know how to speak in tongues. What you can do is you can open your mouth and you could say, Jesus, Jesus. I want to hear you say, Jesus. Hallelujah. Every single one of us in this room are Christians according to what we just did, right? So that means that at one point in our life, Jesus came in and he he saved us. So if you have ever been delivered by that name, Jesus, call out the name Jesus. If you have ever been healed by that name, call out the name Jesus. Hallelujah. If you have ever been set free by that name, lift your voice and shout the name Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, we welcome you into this place. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift your voice. The Lord wants to move. We want to welcome his presence into this place. We want him to know that we love him. We want him to know that he is exalted. Lord, we love you. Lord, you're good to us. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Lord is ready to move. The Lord's spirit has fallen. So right now, without thinking, if you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit for the first time, not a refill, but baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time, would you come up to the altar quickly? Make a nice straight line. Hallelujah. We want to pray with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Quickly, without thinking. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. something the rest of you I ask that you just continue to worship him right now continue to exalt his name continue to welcome him in this place so that the Lord can move hallelujah Holy Spirit, you are 
of you who are already filled with the Holy Spirit, if you guys would like to come down to receive a fresh empowerment, a fresh touch from the Lord that he desires to pour onto you today, I ask that you now come up. Hallelujah. The Lord is ready. The Lord is ready to meet you with this fresh empowerment. You're able to see clearly. You're able to draw closer to the Lord, closer than you ever have been. So right now, the Lord is getting ready to touch hearts. You guys can come down. I'm going to ask that you guys make a nice and straight line, okay? You shouldn't be behind anybody if that's okay. Just a nice straight line. Hallelujah. We can continue to sing hallelujah. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Come on, declare that. Let us become more aware of your
prayer and you have not been prayed for yet, can you just take a step forward so we know that that's you? Those of you who already have been prayed for, you can still stay up if you'd like. All right. So I believe that that's roughly everyone. All right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you guys get to experience the power of God? Hallelujah. I know that I did. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray and then we're going to dismiss. So Father God, I thank you for your power. Father God, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that can live within us, Father God. I thank you that that Holy Spirit act as a guide to every single one here. That those of us that need to make tough decisions this week, Father God, that we're able to make them with clarity because your Spirit is giving us the exact moves that we need to make in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I thank you for every single individual here. I thank you that this is the start of revival, not only at Faith Church, but in New Milford, not just in New Milford, but in Connecticut. Father God, I pray that you empower every single one here, Father God, to go out and spread the gospel of Christ in the name of Jesus. Father God, I pray that we bring you glory in all that we do. I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. The glory is yours. The honor is yours, Father God. We thank you for this service. We thank you for moving in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.